Hello and welcome to another episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. My name is Jake Fenner. I will be joined today by my brother-in-arms, Tom Adams. Tom, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Happy to be back on the pod, and this time under slightly better circumstances because I know the last time we were on, we were talking about Nico Kovac being gone, and it got a little depressing. A lot better uh, mood around this week's episode, um, and I can't wait to get started. I'm excited to get started as well, Tom, because today we are going to be announcing our winner for the hashtag MullerWeen contest. We will also be talking about who we would want to see replace Hansi Flick as the manager for the rest of the season after the halfway point. But before we do all of that, we have to, of course, tackle our segment after 90 minutes where we will go ahead and take a look at Bayern's most recent game against Olympiakos in the Champions League, the first fixture in the Hansi Flick era. I want to give a shout out to one of our followers who reached out to us on Twitter, uh, Christian Hunt, at Christian J. Hunt. Uh, he is from London, and he went to the Bayern Munich Olympiacos game the other day, and he sent me a whole bunch of uh, pictures and videos from the stadium, some corners, the Sudkurva, uh, jumping up and down. Uh, I'm incredibly jealous. I've never been overseas. I've never been out of the Western Hemisphere, and the first place I've always wanted to go was Munich. So uh, just sending me those videos made me very jealous, but also very happy. So thank you for doing that. It was a draw by the end of the first half. Uh, outside of some really close chances from Kingsley Coman and Robert Lewandowski, uh, there wasn't really anything overly exciting, and there was possibly one ex- incredibly glaring error in the form of David Alaba at center back. He wasn't really that good in terms of shutting players down defensively, and he didn't really seem like the same player that we're used to, the kind of player that will provide that spark both on the wing in defense and in attack, mostly because of his positioning. And it really seemed like he was uncomfortable during most of the game. Uh, going into the second half, we started off with a very, very close chance from Leon Goretzka and I do have to say, despite the loss, applause to Jose Sa of Olympiacos because he did a phenomenal job as goalkeeper, but he wasn't able to prevent uh, Robert Lewandowski from scoring. He has scored in every Bundesliga and every Champions League game he has played, and that's just a phenomenal statistic. Nobody else in the world has been able to do that so far. And then... Uh, Ivan Perisic came on for Serge Gnabry and was able to bury a ball in the roof of the net to make it to nothing. Bayern Munich has qualified for their 12th straight knockout round in the Champions League with this win. So, Tom, what did you think of the performance and the first performance from Hansi Flick? First, we got to start off by saying congratulations to Hansi Flick getting off to a winning start and keeping a clean sheet for Bayern. Uh, It's been a while since we've been able to say Bayern have kept a clean sheet. But getting into the actual nitty-gritty of this game, 
it was kind of bizarre in the sense that it was um, complete and utter domination in every category from Bayern as far as possession, shots, shots on target. We completed virtually more than twice as many passes as Olympiacos, boasting an 89% pass accuracy. Got to give credit where credit is due to Olympiacos. I thought they did a really good job uh, of containing Bayern for large portions, especially in the first half. I remember during my live tweets, I, I made a, a mention of the fact that when either Alaba or Martinez or Davies or Pavard had possession of the ball deep in Bayern's own half, um, you could look at the way Kimmich was kind of the guy who was the holding midfielder. He was coming uh, to make himself an option to receive some passes out of the back. And, and what you could see is almost in between Kimmich when he would drop in uh, to receive those short passes, in between him uh, and then every forward player, so Goretzka, Muller, Gnabry, uh, Coman, and Lewandowski, there was virtually five to six uh, Olympiacos players, you know, spearheaded by Kamara, Guillerme, Bukulakis, Podence, uh, Randjelovic. They did a good job of really getting in between those spaces, in between uh, Bayern's back line, Kimmich, and then the attacking players. So there was virtually no space uh, to go into. And I remember making a point of saying, you know, Bayern have to be quick with their passes, you know, out of the back. You know, they can't just dally on it because the less the ball is moving, the easier it is for Olympiacos to contain, you know, the movement and the distribution that that Bayern are, are putting forth you know you got to keep the ball moving you got to make those quick passes uh, make the first time pass instead of taking two or three touches you know when the time is right and and, and I think again Olympiacos we kind of made it easy for them uh, especially in the first part of the first half of that game you know that the play just needed to be a lot quicker I, I do think that we found a lot of joy uh, down the right flank between uh, Pavard and Coman I thought they had uh, a decent link of interlinking play or overlapping play, uh, kind of a la David Alaba. Frank Ribery, Frank Ribery used to have that very, very well. And Pavard, I noticed he was one of the players who was really willing to uh, put in the first-time cross, and I know so many of our crosses just were cleared out or went straight to uh, Jose Sa, as you mentioned, who had to make a lot of saves. But a lot of it was because you know the players were taking those extra touches, whether it was Coman, Gnabry, uh, Davies, if he had ventured forward, you know, instead of playing that first-time ball in, kind of taking one to two touches on the ball when you know our attacking players were flooding the box, and you know when you do wait that split second to send the ball, and it just gives you know the defense all the time the world to reset uh, cover their tracks and, and to make sure everyone's covered and that there's no space and you know at the same time when those when our attacking players are running in and the cross doesn't come uh, at the right time the cross winds up being behind those attacking players so it makes it very easy uh, to clear but I think we did get a little better um, playing a little bit quicker in the second half and we're finally able to start to break uh, Olympiacos down and and as you said um, not really sure if Coman meant the cross the way he did but Lewandowski was the man in the right place borderline offside call but you can you can tell that the defender's leg is just keeping him on side and it was a a nice little uh, toe poke into the bottom right corner the man is absolutely on fire congratulations uh, to him and Anna Lewandowska by the way who are uh, who have just announced that they're expecting another baby. Obviously, <laughs> both of their kids are going to be footballing prodigies because they have just amazing genetics. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Ivan Perisic, what a way to come on as a substitute. And, you know, how about that for a first touch? First touch, first goal, rounds out the victory for Bayern Munich. 12 points out of 12 onto the knockout stages. I believe we're actually the first team to officially uh, clinch progression. I could be wrong on that. Uh, but nonetheless, a uh, great start for Hansi Flick. And, you know, now we can have all the confidence going into uh, Dare Classicer this weekend. 
going more on to that point, how confident do you think this team is going to be uh, preparing for this very tough test ahead? Because Olympiacos is a pretty good team, but this is going to be a major matchup coming up this weekend. 100%. I mean, it's the biggest fixture of the season thus far. There's no disguising that. And obviously, Dortmund will know that Bayern have gone through a bit of a rough patch and they're really in a transitional phase now. We're not really sure how long Hansi Flick and uh, Hermann Gerland are going to be at the helm. You know, when are we going to get a new manager, etc., um, etc. Et We've made some tactical switches. Hansi Flick has made a point of saying he wants to utilize Javi Martinez as a center back and Joshua Kimmich as a midfielder. Uh, so I think Dortmund will be knowing where they can hurt Bayern, especially with the the tactical switches that have been made and the injuries that we have in defense. And they'll also take a lot of notes from um, just how they beat us during the uh, DFL Super Cup uh, back in uh, August. But um, to answer your question, I mean, I do think Bayern will have every confidence in the world that they can uh, get a result. And this could really be the galvanizing uh, fixture if they get a result that can turn their season around and you know make it clear that uh, we are ready to defend this title and we're ready to put this rut behind us and we're ready to move forward um, yeah so I think especially getting that 2-0 the, the importance of a clean sheet was just absolutely massive too um, and I'm not sure I know I've read that perhaps Mark both Marco Royce Jadon Sancho will be uh, missing for Dortmund in this one which would be obviously a huge boost for Bayern but yeah, I do think that, that Bayern can have all the confidence in the world, especially at the Allianz Arena for this one coming off the back of a good result. Uh, the belief is there. All of the players will surely want to get you know all the situation with Kovac completely out of their minds and completely uh, in the past and, and completely move forward. And this is just the perfect stage and the perfect occasion uh, to get that done. Now, tackling the rest of the fixtures that Bayern Munich has to play. They have to play one game against Tottenham at home. They have to play a game against Red Star in Belgrade. How do you think the team is going to tackle those games moving forward, knowing that they've clinched advancement to the next round already? Yeah, so we're already through to the knockout stages, but I think a lot of it will depend on Tottenham's other results. I mean, yes, we are already through, but there is always... Um, an advantage to clinching the number one seed versus the number two seed. Obviously, we have the massive head-to-head advantage at the moment over Tottenham, given the 7-2 win uh, at the Tottenham Stadium last month. But, you know, nothing is guaranteed. Uh, pairing uh, those the remaining fixtures in the Champions League with our domestic schedule, I think Hansi Flick, or I guess I should say whoever is the, the manager at the time moving forward, will have some flexibility as far as... Um, you know, the starting 11, will he be able to rest some guys based on what matches we have uh, on the weekend on either side of the, the remaining Champions League fixtures? Um, perhaps yellow card suspensions will come into play as well. Um, but I think what needs to be done is there needs to be uh, a balance between, you know, resting guys when the opportunity is there and when uh, that can be done and, and keeping a well-balanced squad uh, that can get the job done, you know, as a lot of teams have shown, you know, a lot of teams have struggled um, in Serbia against Red Star. You know, that's definitely not an easy place to play. Liverpool have fell there. Uh, obviously, Olympiacos fell apart there after receiving a red card. So that's definitely no easy place to play, and I don't think any of those matches can be underestimated. And we'll have to realize that Tottenham will surely be up for it and, and fighting for that number one spot when they play us again. So 
those matches need to be taken seriously. So, as we kind of alluded to, we are going to be talking about Dortmund coming up in our very next episode of Der Ausblick. But we're going to take a quick break right now, and we will come back to reveal the winner of Muller Wien. Hello, everybody. Now, before we get back into the show, it is the moment that you have all been waiting for. The time for us to announce the winner of our hashtag Mullerween contest. We received a lot of submissions, so I want to first thank everybody for participating and sending in their ideas and their uh, submissions. I greatly appreciate it. We got the hashtag going very well, and hopefully we might be able to use that in the future. I hope that you guys enjoyed the... uh, the hashtag, uh, I t- it took me a little while to come up with it, but I'm glad that I did. We received a lot of crazy, crazy submissions. A couple from people that we can't uh, give the award out to. Sorry, Chuck, that submission with Guardiola and Frank Ribery was absolutely amazing. Also, a shout out to... Uh, so, like, unfortunately, the people that I'm mentioning as of this moment didn't win, but, like, these are kind of honorable mentions. Honorable mention goes out to at Auditing Aggie, uh, sending money through PayPal to a stranger for ICC tickets this summer. That's very scary, and that's kind of rough. Uh, I hope that you did enjoy that game there. We received a couple of other weirder submissions about, like... Uh, people having heart attacks and collapsing after uh, big wins, and that's uh, definitely very scary. Um, But the one that we decided to go with was one surrounding the man that this entire contest was about. The tweet was from, well, the tweet read, Happy Mullerween. My scariest moment as a Byron fan was seeing the recent articles about a Thomas Muller transfer. He's the face I think of when I think of Byron Munich. I couldn't agree more. I don't think there's a better player that embodies Mia San Mia and to lose a club icon, because I think he really is a club icon at this point, would be absolutely terrifying. So... The winner of this contest and the person that published that tweet was at Chris Kalahickey. I apologize if I mispronounced your name there, but uh, congratulations. You uh, you won a signed jersey from uh, the Ram Deuter himself, Thomas Muller. Uh, if you DM either my personal account at Jefferson Fenner or the at Bavarian FB Works account, your uh, shipping details, we will get that to you. But uh, yeah, congratulations on uh, on winning the first contest that our podcast has ever done. Yes, congratulations to Chris. And again, as Jake had said, I just want to piggyback off and thank everybody for their submissions. We really did enjoy reading through all of these. Some of them made us laugh a whole lot. Some of them made us really remember some terrible moments as Bayern Munich fans that we've had. Um, 
and some of them just or I should say all of them are just uh, a great reminders of like how great this fan base is um, and how connected we are on social media which is something that's very very cool and we're very happy to be uh, a community for for Bayern Munich fans uh, to communicate and all feel like we're one and connected and truly embodying Mia San Mia so thank you everyone um, and again congratulations to Chris for winning Muller Wien going to transition into our segment, The Newsroom, where we take a look at the latest headlines surrounding the team and anything else happening. And I guess the one thing that we all really have on our minds is who's going to be the next manager of FC Bayern Munich. Uh, It's going to be a possibly long, possibly tough search, a lot of uh, praying, a lot of hoping. Um, But in the meantime, we have a question whether to stick with Flick or Flick him away. So a lot of managers' names have been floated for the half season, for the rest uh, for a long time starting now. Um, So it's a very interesting uh, predicament that we are in. I personally am of the opinion that not all the best candidates are currently available to us. So I think to make a sudden spur of the moment decision to last for a while would be rash and foolish. But luckily... Uh, The board doesn't believe that that is the course of action that they're going to take right now. So uh, really the decision all kind of comes down to how well the team performs against Dortmund this Saturday, which is not really something that I want to be thinking about right now. I'm absolutely terrified for this Dortmund game. But uh, we have really three managers that I think would be willing and able to sign on immediately. Uh, We're going to go from what I think is the least likely to the most likely. Uh, Starting off with the least likely, and this is, uh, to clarify, this is managers that would sign on to manage Bayern Munich only until the end of the season. So not uh, who we think is going to be a full-time replacement, but just to see the end of this season out. So, um... We're going to start off by talking about Massimiliano Allegri. Uh, He's currently out of work. So Allegri has a lot of experience coaching a top-flight side, managing top-flight personalities across all of Italy, especially with Juventus when he took them to the Champions League final in 2015 in Berlin, where they lost to FC Barcelona uh, in the closest that Gianluigi Buffon was able to get to a Champions League, sadly. So the upside is that he has that experience and he has some pretty decently good tactics. Uh, The only real downside is that he only has experience managing in Italy. He does not speak a lick of German. He mostly speaks Italian. He doesn't have very good English, uh, according to reports. And there aren't any Italian players on this Bayern Munich team. So it really kind of would make it rough for... Uh, Allegri to transition into Bavaria but nonetheless it's something that is to be considered so Tom what are your thoughts on 
Allegri coming to Bayern for half a season. Absolutely. A lot of the things that you just mentioned, you know, a lot of what the criteria that surrounds him, you know, not to discredit him as a manager because he's an excellent manager, but it's just that some of the uh, other available candidates that are in the running just fit the profile significantly better for Bayern Munich. As you mentioned, he doesn't speak a lick of German. He only has coaching experience in Italy, uh, of which we have no Italian players uh, on Bayern Munich's roster at the moment. Uh, so I just think it, it's just a matter of the other candidates in questions. You know, they have a, a somewhat of a pedigree in Germany um, and perhaps even the Champions League as well uh, speak German. Um, so just right off the bat, they would fit Bayern's profile a lot better. Uh, so again, this isn't to discredit uh, Allegri as a coach. I'm not sure if any of the guys from uh, Black, White, and Red all over um, Juventus's SB Nation page will be listening, so we can't say the wrong thing and disappoint them because Allegri is a great manager. There's no, no doubting that at all. But as far as him occupying a position at Bayern, uh, I just don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's in the cards, especially with some of the other guys that are available, uh, whether it'll be the rest of this season or long-term that we'll get into. Uh, so yeah, I just want to end by saying you know, no discredit to Allegri, but he's just obviously out of work and available, but of the options that are available, probably um, you know, just not the right fit. So for this case, uh, before we move on to the next uh, manager, because Tom touched on Allegri out of work, uh, it should be important to note that another uh, well-known manager is out of work. Um, and I am of the opinion that if they were to hire uh, him, him being Jose Mourinho, that it wouldn't be for a half season. I think he would try to look for something more long-term. So that's the reason why I'm not including him in this segment. Uh, the next person that I've considered the uh, second in the most likely of scenarios uh, would be uh, Jupp Heynckes, solely for the reason of his relationship with the club and with the board. I really don't think that Bayern would be able to pull him back out of retirement for a second time. Uh, nor do I think Frau Heinkes would be able to let the board do it even if he wanted to. I don't think that that would happen at all. Uh, Heinkes just needs to be let be, in my opinion. I think he had a really good run. He won the treble, but I think the man <laughs> needs to rest. Uh, Tom, do you, Tom, do you agree? Obviously, this would be the most romantic, um, you know, heart-welcoming another rescue mission from Yup Heinkus, but as you mentioned, yeah, Frau Heinkus, I'm pretty sure she unplugged her and Yup's phone on Sunday when the news broke about Kovac. Um, and I think that as much as this would be another amazing story for Bayern Munich and Yup Heinkus, I just think that um, it, it's time for him to stay retired for good. And the poor guy, you know, don't let him get pulled out of retirement again. Um, I would say the small smidge of me, if, the, if there is for whatever reason, some reason, maybe he, he's just jonesing and chomping at the bit again and you know he wants to to help Bayern when they're in a little bit of a rut and he just can't help himself I mean I guess as long as he gets uh, everything agreed with Bayern's front office especially with uh Uli Honus leaving his post on November 15th which is just a very very short time away I mean I, I guess why not but in terms of uh, realism and just how realistic this would be uh, obviously I think we've already seen the last of Yep Heinkes. 
uh, unfortunately, uh, in that rescue season that he had and route to the Champions League semifinal um, and collecting uh, another Meisterschale. But Daka for Alice, yep, but I just don't think uh, it's in the cards right now. Uh, so I, I think we just, Bayern has to uh, assess the other options, uh, the options that are most realistic. And finally, I think the most realistic option in terms of a short-term plan, which kind of uh, kind of sounds weird to me to be saying it, but it kind of makes sense, is uh, Arsene Wenger. And I know that reports have come out recently saying that the club does not want to remain in contact with Wenger, though... I have two real responses to that. One that was really only reported on by Build, and that's not necessarily a knock against Build, but more because there wasn't a real second source running with this story. Um, and two, uh, the second game hasn't been played yet. Uh, Wenger seems very uh, adamant about wanting to step in for this job, even if it is on a on a part-time basis from now until the end of the year. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the board hasn't been able to say anything to him, though there is like a there is a major plus in that he is a French manager that also speaks English, having a lot of time in the Premier League. Not only would he be able to connect to the players that speak English, uh, but he'd also be able to make a good connection with the French players. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of French players. We have a, we have Pavard. We have. Corentin Tolisso, we have Luca Hernandez, we have Kingsley Coman that all speak French. And in addition, you have the work that he's done with Serge Gnabry at Arsenal as well. So I personally think out of all of the managers out there, and this is going to sound so weird in my head to say out loud, uh, Arsene Wenger, I think out of all of the managers to serve Bayern Munich for only half of a season, he would be... Uh, my pick, Tom. What do you think? Wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, immediately, what comes to mind is just the whole, you know, the end of his tenure at Arsenal, all the Wenger out memes, um, and like how all these people were making the Wenger out posters, you know, and they were just winding up at the most random events, like political rallies. I think there was some at WrestleMania, <laughs> just concerts just random events i mean earlier when you had uh used the hansi flick you know flick with it or uh hansi solo was another one that i came up with earlier today when you were using those me flick it out i immediately thought of bop it so i don't know if any anyone in the bop it office is listening to this but shout out to you guys you know bop it twist it flick it spin it pass it beep up solo a lot of childhood memories with that game <laughs> and maybe even some college memories uh, from from some pregame sessions, if you know what I mean. But um, to, on, on a real level, I, I it obviously has been a roller coaster of a timeline within the past 48 hours regarding Wenger. We have the build report saying um, that he's the most viable candidate. 
Um, discussions have already taken place between the clubs and a meeting was scheduled. Then we have Sport One coming out and saying that, you know, no, those meetings have not taken place. Wenger is not a realistic option. And then Build Again coming out saying that, yes, Sport One is correct. Wenger is not an option. Wenger had actually put a phone call into Bayern's front office uh, and offered his services and said he was ready to come in for either half a season or for a long-term tenure, uh, perhaps next summer. Uh, Bayern essentially have said, Thank you. We appreciate it, Arson. Uh, but no thanks. We're going to look in a different direction. So <laughs> we've had a yes, we've had no, we've had yes, we've had no, and then no again. Um, so while it does appear right now that that's not going to happen, I do agree with everything you said. I think that there there's no denying uh, how well-decorated of a coaching pedigree he has, especially in England. Uh, you know, obviously you can't forget the... Uh, untouchables from the that 2004 season that never lost a game you know that's that's probably many people know obviously i'm a joint liverpool and Bayern fan you know that era of the premier league the early 2000s was just such a great time for the premier league so many great players from there you know i'll always remember the the battles between uh, patrick vieira and roy Keane uh, on manchester united and how vicious they were you know that's something you just don't see a lot of Nowadays, because players have so much respect for one another and you don't really necessarily see uh, as much of the spouts. But as you mentioned, he speaks French. I also didn't even know this until all these reports came out uh, with, with all of the tiers of how realistic a new manager would be or basically tiering uh, the most realistic candidates for the new Bayern manager. I had no idea that he did speak German, but apparently he does. I, I don't know when or where he would have learned that, but apparently he does speak German. So in addition to speaking French and English, he also does speak German uh, and brings that to the table. And as you mentioned, would have really great rapport with the French contingent. Also, I think the one guy you were missing was Mikel Cuisance. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, just because of the fact that uh, the latest reports have said that the phone call was placed, he offered his services, and Bayern essentially have said no, Um it doesn't look like he's going to be the guy. And in my honest opinion, uh, what it seems like now is that they're just going to stick with Hansi Flick and Hermann Gerland as the assistant uh, based off of just, you know, how enthused the players are to work under Hansi Flick and all the rapport uh, he already has with all the players from, uh, you know, being the assistant to uh, Nico and Robert Kovac. So, you know, I, I think the situation is paved for Hansi Flick to step in and, you know, I was very pleased to see how jubilant he was when we were playing Olympiacos, um, just how jubilant he was when uh, we scored our goals and, you know, how, how, how passionate he seems to be and that connection that he has with the players. You know, there's a lot of pictures today of him uh, working with uh, Coutinho uh, and Tiago. Coutinho did come on as a late sub, but uh, basically Coutinho and Tiago didn't play, and there was a report I remember reading earlier today of just how enthused those guys were uh, to be training with Hansi Flick despite not being used against Olympiaco. So uh, I do think personally that's what the most real realistic option is going to be. Ralph Renick was the other name that was that was tossed in there, but I think the big issue there is he's the kind of guy who would only want a long term contract. Um, and his, his coaching history has shown that he does want to be a bit more controlling and perhaps supersede his role as just a coach. Um, and he wants to do a bit more. Um, but obviously he has, of the guys that are available, probably the most dense uh, pedigree and experience uh, on his resume in the Bundesliga, having coached Hanover 96, Hoffenheim, Schalke, and obviously uh, RB Leipzig. But the fact that he wants to be so controlling and 
kind of would only demand a, a long-term contract just seems like something that just would not mesh well uh, with Bayern or their front office at all. Not to mention the disputes that Uli Honus and Ranić have had in the past. Um, obviously, one of the things that was boding well for Ranić in this situation was the fact that Honus is uh, stepping down on, on November 15th. But again, still, I just think there's too much of uh, a strife there. And I don't necessarily think that would mesh well, despite all of his uh, prolific Bundesliga uh, experience. So this is going to be a slightly shorter episode because we, again, will be releasing. We will be releasing an episode of Der Ausblick later on today to cover Borussia Dortmund. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned for that. Uh, so until we release that, thank you very much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks and you can follow me at Jefferson Fenner. Be sure to read the content at BavarianFootballWorks.com. And please be sure to like, share, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. So until we release that episode later today, thank you very much for listening, and Alfie Dezane.